Growing up, my sister Rebecca always went by the shortened version of her name, Becky. Every once in a while, I would ask her, do you think you will ever go by Rebecca? She would always tell me that she didn't think she would ever go by that name. After all, she was named after one of my mom's closest friends, Becky, who we grew up visiting all the time and who we really enjoyed spending time with. When my sister moved to California, though, in her late 20s, everyone she met from that point on would know her as Rebecca. I knew it, I told her. Also, in the mid-1990s, my sister, sort of out of nowhere, dyed her hair red. For years and years afterward, I asked her if she dyed her hair because of the show My So-Called Life, which she was really obsessed with and she strongly denied my accusation. Finally, when we reached adulthood, I once again asked her, did you dye your hair because of My So-Called Life? To which she replied, of course I did. Wasn't that really obvious? On today's show, we will be discussing the cult TV classic, My So-Called Life. We will discuss the premise of the show, the characters on the show, both on and off the screen, and we will learn about the plot of a very horrible movie that one of the stars was in just prior to the show. I'll give you a hint. Two words, skateboard and magical. So put on your corduroy overalls and Doc Martens. Here we go. And welcome to the Pop Culture Retrospective Podcast, a show dedicated to the memory of my sister and her love for all things pop culture, especially memories from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. My name is Amy Lewis, and today we'll be discussing a fantastic show that holds up incredibly well, My So-Called Life. My So-Called Life premiered on August 25th, 1994. And let me just tell you that the fall of 1994 was an amazing time to be a television watcher. There were multiple amazing shows on that you probably remember, including Coach, Murphy Brown, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Blossom, Party of Five, Full House, Roseanne, Home Improvement, Frasier, Grace Under Fire, and All-American Girl. Another short-lived show, but one of my favorites as Margaret Cho, one of my favorite comedians, starred in it. The fall of 1994 also saw some memorable music releases, including Jeff Buckley's Grace, which I listened to so much that that CD is significantly scratched beyond repair. Boys to Men 2, Let's Don't Wait Till the Water Runs Dry. Usher released his first album, entitled Usher. Ready to Die by the Notorious B.I.G. was released. And Under the Table and Dreaming by the Dave Matthews Band was released. My family and I took a road trip from Los Angeles to Anaheim, California, and we didn't realize quite how far the distance was to drive, because this is before you could look up distances online and things like that. And so we thought it would be, you know, maybe just a few hours, but it turned out to be, I think it was seven or eight hours. And I didn't have a lot of CDs with me on that trip, but I did have Under the Table and Dreaming. We listened to it on repeat as we drove from Los Angeles to Anaheim, and by the end of that trip, I needed a break from that album, but it is a classic. My so-called life only ran for 19 episodes, but its legacy really lives on two and a half decades later. The series was created by Winnie Halsman. She's a producer and writer who is also known for Jerry Maguire and 30-something, which was one of my mother's favorite TV shows when she was in her 30s. 
The show was produced by Edward Vick and Marshall Hoskovitz. They were um, also responsible for some films that you probably recognize, including Legends of the Fall, Last Samurai, and Blood Diamond. The lead role of Angela Chase was played by Claire Danes, who was just 15 when the show premiered. Claire Danes was born in Manhattan, New York. Both of her parents were artists when she was a young child. She also has a younger brother. She started dancing at age six, but started focusing really seriously on acting by the time she was nine. Her first major role was when she was 13 on Dudley Moore's TV sitcom, Dudley, which was pretty short-lived. Before My So-Called Life, she starred in an episode of Law and & Order and some other film and television shorts. Later in the same year that My So-Called Life premiered, she starred in Little Women on the big screen. Angela Chase is a teenager who is very introspective and perhaps a little bit lost, as we so often are when we're in high school. She wants to break free a bit of who she was when she was younger. Patty Chase is Angela's mom, and she is played by Bess Armstrong. She is probably most famous for her role in Jaws 3D. And she also starred in 1993's The Skateboard Kid, which, according to the website IMDB, is summarized as follows. And I'm going to do my best to do my kind of nerdy 10-year-old boy's voice here. No one could be more bored than Zach, the new kid in town with no friends in sight. When a gang of hip skateboarding thrashers start cruising his neighborhood, Zach hopes his luck will change, but they want nothing to do with him. Then, Zach makes a discovery of his life, a talking, wisecracking, magical skateboard, and suddenly skateboarding rises to entirely new heights. Yeah, she was in that movie. Um, I saw the trailer for it. It does not look good. Uh, fun fact... The skateboard was voiced by none other than famed actor, voiceover artist, chef, and American treasure, Mr. Dom DeLuise. You can look up his picture and you will remember who I am talking about. But back to the show. Patty is the breadwinner of the family and is a mother trying to balance a challenging career in parenthood. She and Angela often butt heads as sometimes uh, the mom can be a little bit high strung and worried and her husband... Angela's dad is a bit more laid back. It's funny how at this point in my life, I can relate a lot more to Angela's mother than I can to Angela, which is sad, but time certainly flies by. Graham Chase is Angela's dad, and he is played by Tom Irwin. He's from Peoria, Illinois, in the house. Yeah, Peoria. Tom Irwin attended Illinois State University. He has pretty extensive acting credits, which include TV shows like China Beach, the character, though, Graham, is a bit of a lost soul. He isn't as career-driven as his wife, and he is a lot more laid back than she is, which creates a bit of tension in their relationship. He manages a lot of stuff around the house, like cooking and wallpapering, which was, you know, a very important job in 1994. Ricky Vasquez is Angela's friend, and he was played by Wilson Cruz. This was Wilson's first major acting role, and he is actually the first openly gay character on a primetime TV show. He came out to his parents when the show was picked up for a season, and his father, unfortunately, kicked him out. After his father saw the show, though, I think he understood a bit more and realized that he should be a more supportive parent, and so they were able to reconcile. The character of Ricky is very sweet and loving, and his life outside of school is very challenging. He is kicked out by his parents due to the fact that he is gay, and so he goes to live with his uncle, but the uncle, unfortunately, is abusive. He eventually gets to live with his teacher, who is also gay, via fostering. Rayanne Graff was played by A.J. Langer. She was born in Columbus, Ohio. She has an older brother as well. 
She got the nickname when she was a kid. She played on a baseball team with primarily boys, so they gave her the name AJ as, as it was less feminine than Allison Joy, her birth name. Prior to my so-called life, she was on the Wonder Years, very impressive, and Drexel's class. And I knew that sounded familiar, so I had to look that up. So Drexel's class, in case you don't remember, was a very short-lived TV series where the main character ends up becoming a teacher in a school that's kind of short on staff because he needs to pay back his taxes. So he decides to teach instead of serving time in prison. And that show starred Jason Biggs, Brittany Murphy, and Matthew Lawrence. Incredible. I didn't remember that. It was kind of fun to look that up. Rianne is the exact opposite of Angela's childhood friends. She's a bit out of control, impulsive, kind of a wild child, isn't very invested in school. Jordan Catalano is Angela's love interest in the show, and he is played by Jared Leto. Jared Leto was born in Louisiana. He spent his younger years in the South. His mother was very young when he was born. I think she was uh, a teenager. His parents divorced when he was very young. He lived with his mother and his grandparents. Jared also has an older brother named Shannon, and he moved around a lot when he was a kid. His father sadly died by suicide when he was eight, and I didn't know that until I started researching the show. I'm sure that was extremely difficult. Originally, Jared did not want to be an actor. He actually wanted to be a director. And so he attended college and studied the arts. Jordan's character on the show is, uh, he's also a bit lost. He is a super, super senior. And it's later revealed in kind of a subtle way that Jordan has a learning disability and he never really got help for it. And he's kind of learned to kind of cover it up. His affect in the show is a bit flat, but he's actually a pretty deep person, which we see in some of the music um, that he performs on the show because he's in a band. Some of the other regular characters on the show. Brian Krakow is played by Devin Gummersall. He is Angela's childhood friend. He is very academically gifted, but not so much in social situations. Angela's other childhood friend is Sharon Chersky, who is played by Devin Odessa. She's a bit of a goody-goody. That's what we kind of called kids like that when I was in high school. And she often worries about Angela and some of the choices that she's making and the changes that she's making and how she's sort of becoming a different person now that she is a sophomore in high school. Angela also has a little sister named Danielle, who is played by Lisa Wilhout. She's quick-witted and sarcastic, which I really appreciate. In the first episode of My So-Called Life, we are introduced to Angela, her family, her friends, and the start of her sophomore year of high school. We are also introduced to Angela's on-again and off-again love interest, Jordan Catalano. What we start to notice in the first episode is that her relationship with her family and friends are starting to shift. She and her mother are kind of disagreeing a bit more. She's pulling away from her old friends. She's really trying to kind of figure out who she is. In the very first episode, Angela dyes her hair red. Her friend Rayanne encouraged her to do so because she felt her hair was, quote, holding her back. In this first episode, we see more evidence of Angela sort of evolving and changing as a person because she decides to drop out of the yearbook committee, and she ends up meeting with a teacher to discuss that, and we start to see some of the profound thoughts that Angela has, which will become a theme throughout the show. And she says to her teacher, who's the yearbook advisor, and I mean, this whole thing with the yearbook, it's like everybody's in this big hurry to make this book, to supposedly remember what happened. But it's not even what really happened. It's what everyone thinks was supposed to happen. 
because if you made a book of what really happened, it'd be a really upsetting book. You know, in my humble opinion. And when I watched that recently as an adult, having been out of high school for quite a long time at this point, I thought that that was extremely accurate. And uh, I felt that's kind of how my high school yearbooks were as well. So pretty profound and, uh, and pretty accurate and definitely speaks to the show being ahead of its time. As the show carries on, we get to know the characters more in depth as well as their struggles and their strengths. Throughout the 19 episodes, which would have been so wonderful if it would have been more, we see why this show was received with so much critical acclaim. The show was praised for its ongoing and realistic depiction of issues young people are dealing with, and not only during that time, but I think also applies right now, too, just in slightly different ways. In one episode, there is a best-looking list that's going around school, which, which is making people feel really self-conscious. You know, one if they are on the list, but also not on the list makes them feel self-conscious, which is something that still happens to this day, again, just in a different form. Parents are struggling with aging and getting wrinkles and gray hairs, which I can relate to that. People are being labeled and boxed into groups, which certainly happened when I was in high school and certainly still happens now. Realistic depictions of substance use, homelessness, gun violence in schools was even touched on, and this was several years before Columbine happened, so they really were ahead of their time. The issue of homosexuality was also covered pretty extensively in the show, like I mentioned earlier. While the show was running, Wilson Cruz actually did a PSA about homelessness amongst the LGBT youth population, and coincidentally, the storyline of the PSA is very similar to what he experienced as a young person. The show also covered issues related to child abuse, learning disabilities, and acne, which has plagued teenagers for generations. One episode is called The Zit and how much it bothers Angela and kind of is impacting her daily life. And she constantly is looking at it in the mirror. And if that episode had me as a main character in high school, uh, I think that episode would have been called Zits, plural. The show also did a great job of depicting 1990s dancing. There is a scene with Ricky and a friend of his. They are dancing at a school dance to Hathaway's What is Love, which made me Absolutely love that song. I thought it was so good and made me want to dance every time I heard it. Until a few years later, when it became more well-known for the SNL sketch with Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan as the Roxbury guys, where they became kind of inappropriate with female patrons at nightclubs. But before that, that song was really good. I actually really, really liked it. In a relatively recent article in Wired, this article, which was coincidentally written by a woman, also named Angela, but not Angela Chase, but Angela Watercutter. She encapsulated why the show was so good. And she said, quote, Why it only got one season, we'll never know. My so-called life was game-changing because it treated teenagers like people, not just stereotypes of people. Angela fought with her parents, but it was never overly condescending or shrill. Rayanne had a substance abuse problem, but it wasn't only during the very special episode. It was a real struggle. And Ricky was a gay kid who didn't just swing in to help with makeup snafus. He experienced real dramas and did things besides just, you know, be queer. Every gay best friend on TV since him could have taken a cue. End quote. The writing and the dialogue of the show was outstanding. 
Angela's inner monologue sound like it was pulled right from the pages of an adolescent girl's diary, maybe even my sister's. I'm not joking. It's fun to watch it through an adult's eyes, though, because I remember a lot about being a teenager myself, and I have spent the last 15 or 20 years uh, working alongside young people and teenagers, and so it feels pretty accurate. And here are some of the more memorable quotes from Angela Chase. The cafeteria is the embarrassment capital of the world. When someone compliments your parents, there's like nothing to say. It's like a stun gun to your brain. Sometimes I think if my mother wasn't so good at pretending to be happy, she'd be better at actually being happy. Hatred can become like food. It gives you this energy you, like, live off of it. I cannot bring myself to eat a well-balanced meal in front of my mother. It means too much to her. And then there's a scene where Jordan Catalano is being a little bit aggressive while he is kissing her. And she says to him, I don't open that wide at the dentist. Genius. In rewatching the episodes, I noticed that there are two main ways that many scenes at the school are shot, especially in the hallway. It's either slow motion of people walking down said hallway, or someone, usually clutching textbooks, uh, has their back against their locker watching said slow motion scene go by. The show ended on January 26, 1995, and it ended with a cliffhanger as the hope was for the show to be picked up the following season, but it was officially canceled in May of that year. The show, unfortunately, was incredibly difficult to market. It was so much more difficult to advertise it to audiences because they were so much more used to seeing lighthearted shows like Saved by the Bell, Family Ties, and stuff like that when it came to, a, you know, a show about teenagers. And the show, I don't know whose idea this was, but My So-Called Life was running at the same time as Friends which is one of the most successful TV sitcoms of all time and ran during the 1990s. I mean, what? The same time that Friends was on? Come on. That is a recipe for disaster. Get with the program here, people. My So-Called Life was one of the first fan-led internet campaigns to save a show. And that must have taken a lot of dedication because I think we all know how slow the internet was at this time. So if you wanted to save that show, you had to have a lot of dedication. Because I remember when I was using the internet when I was in high school, I would sit and read magazines while the page loaded because it took so long. So that is some serious love for my so-called life. Another thing that really solidified my so-called life not being picked up for another season was allegedly Claire Danes was pretty reluctant to do a second season because she really wanted to be in the movies. Just a few days before the last episode of My So-Called Life ran, Claire Danes won a Golden Globe Award for Best Performance by an Actress in a Television Series. She went on to star in Romeo and Juliet in 1996, opposite Leonardo DiCaprio, which we all know is an outstanding movie, one of my sister's very favorites, I would say. She got married in 2009, and she has two children. Some of her other acting credits include the movies Shop Girl, Les Miserables, and Broke Down Palace. She starred in the TV show Homeland, which ran from 2011 to 2020, and she has won multiple awards for that role. Jared Leto has had a very successful movie and music career. In 1998, he formed the band 30 Seconds to Mars with his brother Shannon. He has starred in several movies such as Requiem for a Dream, Blade Runner 2049, and Dallas Buyers Club, and he won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. 
I think I was watching the Oscars that day when he got the award, and I looked up the clip on YouTube again because it's been a couple of years. He gave a beautiful acceptance speech, which he dedicated to his mother and his brother, and he brought up again that his mom was really young and a teenager when she had uh, his older brother and him, and she really encouraged her boys to dream and aim high, and uh, that really inspired him. Bess Armstrong went on to appear in several other TV shows, including NCIS, Grey's Anatomy, Frasier, to name just a few. And sadly, although Skateboard Kid 2 was released, she did not appear in the film, which I think was a big mistake. Tom Irwin went on to appear in various television shows, including Lost, Grey's Anatomy, and Law & Order. Wilson Cruz has continued to be an LGBT advocate. He has some additional acting credits, including 13 Reasons Why, NCIS, ER, and The West Wing, among many others. A.J. Langer got married in 2004 to the Earl of Devon. She's now the Countess of Devon. They live in a castle. She has two children, and she does a lot of charity work around fibromyalgia. She unfortunately has the disease. The show, My So-Called Life, really mimicked my life in in many ways around the same time. My sister actually looked a lot like Claire Danes at the time, and she was also very introspective and was as a child, a teenager, and as an adult. Uh, My sister also had her first love when she was in high school, and he looked a lot like Jared Leto's character. He had a very similar haircut, kind of the straight hair thing down, you know, parted down the middle, and he wore a very similar jacket that you often see the character wearing. My sister also had a had several Rayans in her life, friends who were impulsive, a little rebellious, so on and so forth. I think my sister had some Rayanne in her as well. And I was a little bit like the little sister. You know, there's some odd similarities, including attempting to listen to my sister's conversation on the phone. I would actually do that via my walkie-talkie, which could intersect the, the signal of our cordless phone, so I could listen to her phone conversations, which really weren't that interesting, but I thought at the time that it was really cool to listen in on my sister's phone conversations because I thought she was so much cooler than me, and she was. Um, I was also in a fashion show uh, with my mom, which, you know, I think that was the last time I wore a dress. And I also used humor and sarcasm as a child to cope with tough situations, and I still do that now. I secretly thought that my sister was really cool, and I often borrowed her clothes without asking. One example of that was her navy blue corduroy overalls, which I'm sure she purchased as a result of seeing um, Angela Chase wearing them so much. But I borrowed those corduroy overalls, uh, wore them to high school one day, and unfortunately, while using the restroom, one of these straps fell into the toilet And um, I had to walk around school for the rest of the day with a wet overall strap because there was not a way to dry it. So there you go. My mom also got a pixie haircut in 1994, like the mother does in the show. And there's a scene in the show when Angela finally gets over Jordan and she starts um, dancing around her room to the Violent Femme song called Blister in the Sun. And um, my sister actually bought that CD that has that song on it. And I think the rest of the songs were not very good, but that's what you did in the 90s is you bought the whole CD for one song. And um, I did a little bit of research on the song Blister in the Sun. And um, the Violent Femmes are actually from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is, you know, pretty awesome. 
there was a lawsuit between two of the band members in Violent Femmes because one of the band members sold the advertising rights to that song, Blister in the Sun, to Wendy's for a commercial about a fish sandwich. The commercial is terrible. The music really doesn't fit the commercial at all. Um, and if you look it up online, you know you can go on YouTube and type in Wendy's and Blister in the Sun and it will come up and it is uh, quite a terrible commercial. And so that created a lot of tension in the group. Also in the show, Angela isn't a great driver. Jordan lets her drive his classic car, which she bangs up. And that reminded me of my sister, who, um, this is not a joke, during her first year of driving, she got four tickets. Four tickets in her first year of driving. Unreal. And she would kind of go continue on to be a not-so-great driver throughout her life. I think my favorite Becky driving story is she had... Her car was constantly getting repaired because she was always getting into these kind of fender bender accidents. And she was pulling out of the car repair place after getting a bunch of repairs done following an accident. And she got into a car accident, leaving the car repair shop. I I can't make this stuff up. She was, uh, she was definitely a character. Some fun facts about the show. Again, just uh, the, the timing of when the show was put on, it was put up against friends, which was, you know, a primetime juggernaut, big mistake. The show first aired a few months after Kurt Cobain died by suicide. And side note, he and Nirvana will definitely be the topic of another show coming up. Jared Leto took Claire Danes to her first nightclub. He also helped uh, Devin Gummershall talk to girls. One time while driving, uh, Jared was able to stop and talk to some girls and convince them to give Devin their phone numbers. And this was actually worked into an actual scene on the show. The cast recently reconnected via Zoom. And you can now watch the entire series for free on ABC.com, which is great. So that's how I've been able to kind of revisit some of the episodes. But be forewarned. In order to watch about a 45-minute episode, you have to watch about three hours worth of commercials that you cannot skip. So plan a lot of time to, uh, to watch the show. Bess Armstrong and Tom Irwin, who play Angela's parents in the show, still get together occasionally and have lunch. There is a, a reoccurring character on the show named Tino, but we never actually meet him. And Jared Leto's brother in real life played the drummer in his band on the show for the first half of the season. The show ran for 19 episodes. It was actually supposed to be 22. And Jordan Catalano's character was only supposed to be in the pilot episode of the show, but they ended up keeping him on for the whole series. Angela is constantly obsessing about her relationship with Jordan Catalano and having a crush on him and their breakup and all this stuff. Uh, throughout the whole series, but they actually only date on one episode. Much ado about nothing, really. Um, originally, they were going to cast Alicia Silverstone in the show as Angela, but she was deemed too beautiful for the show. Ouch. To to Claire Danes, who is beautiful, too. Jeez. Um, soon after, though, she got the role of Sharon Clueless, and that's a fabulous movie. The show lives on all these years later, though, really and truly. I still think that the the stories are really relevant today. You know, certainly the, the fashions are outdated, you know, but if you take away the, the claw clips and the mom jeans 
and the flannels and, and, you know, throw in a couple of cell phones and laptops and stuff like that, I think that the issues depicted in the show are still very relevant today. Entertainment Weekly put it best when it said, In 19 sublime episodes, my so-called life left a passing pop culture legacy. I hope you have enjoyed this look back on the cult classic TV show, My So-Called Life, one of my sister's favorite TV shows of her adolescence. I hope you will join me for my next episode, where we will focus on one of my all-time favorite childhood television shows, the Canadian classic, Today's Special. If you are enjoying the show, please recommend it to a friend or family member, and please also consider rating it on Apple Podcasts. It helps the show out a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you.